Welcome back to the Limehouse Podcast. How are you? How have you been doing? This is Will, your host. I am I am well. It's been a, a reasonably confused weekend with being, I don't know, semi sort of kicked out of pubs for um, not applying to rules and thought I was applying to rules, my my, my wife and I. But there you go. It's, sim- it's, simply, it's simply done, isn't it, these days you, you, with COVID and tears and not tears and tearing and tearing up, welling up. Welling up, frankly, not being able to get a pint in a pub these days. Jesus Christ. But um, the good news is I'm here. We've got a podcast, right? We've got a great one lined up for you. Lucy, a.k.a. Lucy Lapwing, who is a, uh, I would say, a conservationist, uh, um, an activist, um, a wildlife activist and a wildlife enthusiast. She's she's absolutely fantastic. Got a great following on Instagram, and I am one of those. She does really great, amazing work with with animals, and um, in particular birds, of course. And we have a really good chat. It takes me back to. Oh, I don't want to sound too. I don't know. What's the word? I don't want to sound too much like a dick, but. <laughs> But um, yeah, I, I, I connected with my childhood talking with Lucy and I think I um, pushed a few stones away and uh, a few stories came flooding out or memories rather and we really got down to it. So yeah, you are going to enjoy this. This is a really, uh, it, at times it's, it's very intense. Like it get, does get political. It does get actually very political and, and, and how would it not? You know, if, you're, if you've got any sort of social conscience right now about the environment, be it sort of, um, you know, Extinction extinction Rebellion all the way up to, I don't know, what bloody Leonardo DiCaprio is doing, what he's promoting, it or David Attenborough, you know, all, all those kind of things. It's hard not to get away from the realities that we are all facing at the moment. And that is that if we're not careful, we're, we are, we're, it's irreversible. We are beyond the point of no return in terms of what we're doing to the environment. And I thought it would be really cool to bring in Lucy just to talk about those things, but also our, what we can do to help in our own little way. You know, I, I, I really struggle with that. I really struggle to know whether I'm doing enough. And I'm probably not, to be to be perfectly honest. But anyway, I hope you are well. Just going to keep this as brief as I can. Uh, if you are new to this show, hello, welcome. What do we do? What, what do we do on this show? What, what do we do? What do I do? Well, I'll tell you, on a Wednesday, so it goes out twice a week, this podcast. On a Wednesday, I talk to a new band or an artist because I love music. I love new music. And I know you do. So many people always asking, you know, what music you listen to and, and, and what bands you into. It comes up quite a lot. And I love talking to new bands. So that, that, that'll be a Wednesday conversation. And on a Sunday, it's, it's a broader aspect. You know, I'll talk to someone in, from the world of acting or politics um, again, like a, uh, kind of like a, a, an old, more established musician, uh, authors, what happened, uh, all, all, that, that whole thing, that whole thing. So, we, you know, longer, perhaps a slightly longer conversation on a Sunday. And you can expect people like Bob Harris, had him on the show. He, that, was, that was wonderful. Um, Beth Nielsen Chapman, I had lately. That was the last show. Um, they're, they're musicians, obviously. And then you've got people like Ralph Brown, who are wonderful, and Michael uh, Michael McKeon, also actors. Anyway, so yeah, I, I hope that gives you a bit of an idea of what we, what I'm doing here. What I'm trying to achieve is just to kind of give you like a broad taste of the, the, the things that are out there in this world. Um, I still think my Paul Salapak chat, chat is the best one. That guy, oh my God, check it out if you haven't. A guy who's walking the world, taking it all in. Uh, slow form journalism. If you enjoyed, if you enjoyed this chat, which I know you're going to, check that one out. Paul Salapek. It's a little bit further back. I think I had that in June, whilst he was in Myanmar, Burma. If you can believe that, what a, it was a pretty damn good connection. His connection as well, if you can believe that. But yeah, okay. So uh, see you on Twitter at Limehouse Pod, um, or you can find me on Instagram, which is just the Limehouse Podcast. Uh, do yourself a favor. Make sure your shoelaces are done up. Um, make sure you've got a face, uh, you know, one of those masky face masks in your pocket because just do it. I mean, the, not, yeah, fine, you're going to spread it if you don't, but also just because of the goddamn practicality of it. The freak, you get to the, 
you get to the Sainsbury's and you go, what the fuck? Oh, I forgot. I, it's in the house. I know where it is in the house. Why didn't I? But it's, it's, the irritation is beyond any kind of stress. It's like if you, the, the, the list goes on, the things you have to remember in this life. Oh, my God. Anyway, look after yourself. Stay safe. Enjoy this chat. Lucy Lapwing. Look her up. She's on Instagram. She's wonderful. She does great work. Take care, guys. But um, yeah, how are you? How has um, life been treating you? I mean, because what's really cool is I spoke with um, Lindsay Chapman, a, a really lovely, yes. um, yeah, lovely lady about um, about nature and what have you. This was pretty much the beginning of lockdown, I think, or in and around that. But it was the mad heat wave. Yeah. Um, so I, when I ask you, like, how have you been? It's kind of more, how have you been since lockdown this year. and the way, yeah, the wave of <laughs> the wave of people that just went bananas for the outdoors um yeah that's a really good question um it's been a really weird year um highs and lows it's been it's been like really touching to hear from so many people who have said they've discovered nature for the first time um it's mm. come with many frustrations i mean i work in my professional capacity i work for um large environmental charity and just the interest we've had from all the media about nature and um wildlife and it's coming from a place of i mean we've all seen the memes on the internet but like nature's recovering nature's coming back and it's like it's been four weeks calm down it's really not it's really bothered um so yeah so there's a mix of uh that really kind of nice (laughs) people side of things where people have noticed birds in the garden and then um i mean the the main effect is like obviously everybody because they've not got anywhere else to go are spending time outdoors which is what I feel like I've been banging the drum for for years and now everybody's actually outside. I'm like, it's really busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh God, I, I know exactly what you mean. I felt like that about Richmond Park. Yes. Because I'm a, I'm a gardener and I used to go and I basically, after work, I'd go, quite often I'd, I'd spend hours walking around Richmond Park, but as soon as lockdown happened, the world invaded Richmond Park and I was like, oh, just bugger off, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> Making noise and getting in your photos and yeah. Totally know what you mean. I'm a cynic, but um, but no, I mean it must um, it must be quite something because as a gardener as well, I've experienced that. You know, the influx of people that uh, have have decided to become the next Monty Don is is wonderful. It's, yes, it's it's really fantastic. People have really connected with it. Yeah, I, I'd I'd hope so. Um, we've seen quite a lot of. Don't know your perspective on it as a gardener, but like worry worrisome trends in gardening. Um, I don't think there's much more evil on this planet than plastic lawn, in my opinion. <laughs> um, oh, plastic lawn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's Tell nice to it. see people going the other way, you know, perhaps yeah. inviting a bit more wild into their back gardens and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's when, I suppose when it did start for me, um, it was escape, you know, I mean, I've always been, uh, I've raised in the country, spent my whole life in the country, well, not my whole life, but you know, my, the, the, the part that counts. Yeah. And, and for me, it was a salvation, definitely, uh, mentally more than anything. Uh, we, we, we'd go on really long walks in Kent, the Kent countryside, which is just stunning. It's mm. absolutely beautiful. And, but it felt, um, it felt like I needed it more than, than anything I'd ever experienced until maybe my mum when I was homesick, when I was at boarding school, when I was a kid, <laughs> you know? Yes. I, it, was, it was just such a phenomenal thing. Did you have that sort of this is like my salvation, my mental, my mental health. Um, I'd, I'd say I've had that for a while. So that kind of pre-dates this year and all its craziness. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've relied on, on going outside and connecting with nature and rootling around and getting stuck in yeah. since, since before that. So it's kind of just my go-to therapy, as it were. It's like, right, I need some nature time. I need some serious nature time if mm. I'm stressed or busy or ill. <laughs> yeah yeah so sorry to be really direct do you so you you've suffered from like a bit of uh mental mental what like depression and what have you no not men well, well well doesn't everyone um i'm not diagnosed with any mental health issues as as yet yeah. i do i feel anxiety i feel down sometimes I feel eco-anxiety yeah. if that's the, if that's a proper thing um 
God, right. no, that's definitely a thing. That's hun- <laughs> I feel that. I feel mm. that. I feel desperate. I feel desperately sad. Not sad. I feel like it's anxious. just completely debilitating sometimes. Um, mm. Because especially when you take such joy from nature and wildlife, when you when it's everything that matters, but also you know how bad and sick it is, even mm. taking joy from it can then become a sad, sadness-inducing activity because you're reminded of this thing that you love so much is actually in a really bad way. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I didn't. I've not had any mental health diagnosed issues. Although I don't know, yeah. therapist might say something else. <laughs> but <laughs> I did have a bout of physical illness a few years ago, so I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was twenty three. It was fine. I find I feel really undramatic about it. I talk about it a lot yeah. because it kind of had a really big part in shaping my connection with nature. Um, yeah. Because I got diagnosed just after my first job in conservation. Um, mm-hmm. literally as my contract, the last week of my contract, I got my diagnosis. So, um, I took six months out of work and just spent the time finding wildlife, mm. learning about wildlife, self-teaching wildlife, learning birdsong, learning insects, learning plants. Um, and that's where kind of the Instagram things kicked off, but that's when I really found that therapy of, I feeling really naff. I'm going to go outside and look at some stuff and like just that and how much that benefits you. So. Do you know what is so... I had that with um, when I was at school and and really, really under the cosh, so to speak, with Mm -hmm. homesickness and Mm -hmm. just feeling pretty desperate. I'd go out and I would take cuttings from trees, right, and put them in Coke cans and watch them in the spring slowly come to life. Mm. I swear everyone thought I was completely bonkers. And, And I got probably even more bullied for it but i loved it i loved it i used to go on walks for hours on my own and used to get like threatened with expulsion and all that just to escape and i think just to bring it back that is probably why i found so much love in the countryside recently when lockdown started because i've it felt like i was returning to like i don't know some some safe some safe place yes something we've not had time for for so long that you know suddenly forced to have the time for yeah no exactly so when 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 did you find that you were uh because here's a memory for me when i was a nipper like tiny tiny my mum and dad uh they drew a i'm sorry that's my dog to me, by <laughs> hello the way, let, letting oh. out a little bark oh, yeah. yeah now that is a relaxed dog <laughs> yeah yeah he wouldn't be relaxed if he if you were in the room he'd be barking his bloody head off cute looking but he's, he's got issues but yeah my my mum and dad they um they they drew like a, a a map of the the field at the back of at the back of our house the neighbor's field and a pond and we were attempted to get into nature mm. and it lasted about 3 days and what have you that was about it but what about you what did was it a mum and dad thing was it a, a bigger sister a younger brother an auntie or an uncle or to get into nature yeah maybe. yeah um i well this is where this is kind of like the whole drum that i bang is that I always had it, I've said this before, like I refer to it as the nature thing because there's not really a word for it, but people who, like you said, can find that fascination in a natural process or a living thing and it's just everything that matters, like watching those branches in the Coke can, like I get that, I'd find that fascinating. (laughs) Seeing beauty in patterns, seeing, you know, beauty in like leaf veins or uh, fungi or like certain flowers or whatever, it's it's that kind of... pure mindfulness and it's you know mindfulness is a very trendy word isn't it for like you think of like yoga and whatever but it's that pure human us as an animal connecting with something and having no other impacts of our daily lives affecting us it's just it's just a focusing on on a thing um and i think hand like hand on my heart i well and truly believe every kid has that every especially young tot if they're not um influenced by parents or whoever to have a negative yeah. reaction to nature or if they're not kept away from it which many kids are if you give if yeah. you give like an untainted toddler a handful of worms they'll be obsessed you know they'll be fascinated yeah. because it's that but so many children nowadays i get told that it's dirty or scary or painful or icky or whatever and they have a life indoors yeah. and they just don't get a chance to do it so i think everybody has it and yeah. most people lose it yeah, no, it's weird. It's like, what is it? Is it trained out? Trained out of us? Is it? Is it's not given priority? Is it at all? No, I mean, sadly, now in today's world, you know, kids growing up now in twenty twenty, 
there's so much less nature than there used to be that it's it's less than a daily occurrence to a lot of kids. I mean, if you live in a highly built up urban area, you know, there's studies yeah. that show that in some areas, some kids uh, will go over a year without setting foot in a green space. <laughs> you think, what's their, what's their possibility to encounter wildlife? You know, if you've yeah. not, if you've got a tidy garden, if you've got a plastic lawn or you've not got a garden at all, and you're not taken out to places like that, if your weekend entertainment comprises of the cinema and, I don't know, playing football or whatever, you're not going to encounter birds, frogs. You know, frogs, they're such a cute yeah. thing. You know, digging yeah, in the mud for, sure. for slugs and snails and worms and all of these gross things, it's, it's feared by so many. They look at you like you're absolutely yeah. mad when you say you want to touch a slug <laughs> or whatever else. <laughs> You know, so I think yeah. I think it's just so kids are so disconnected from it. It's not a part of everyday life, and kids aren't allowed to run around yeah. anymore either. They're not allowed to free roam. So, yeah, you seem you seem. Um, God, I don't want to be too direct and too like. I'm not spoiling for a fight at all, mm. but you seem like quite energized. Energized in kind of a way that is um, pumped about something like like you activist do you know what i'm saying yes. like you've got kind of that yeah like yeah. you're very because I know, I know that you do lo lots of act um activism um you feel like you want to say something more than just like it's about it's, it's like the parents there's something innately wrong with, <laughs> with something you know not a, just the parents society. no 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 it's not it's not a blame a blaming of an individual thing it's, there's, I see loads of problems with society. Yeah, loads. I think it's so, it's so unjust. There's so many swathes mm. of society, you know, demographics that are restricted or oppressed or face injustice and inequalities. And I don't know, there's so much to fix. There's so much to fix. You know, we've yeah. got this impending threat of climate change. The ecological crisis is vastly understated. People don't realise that that's just as big of a threat as the climate crisis. Um, and I, th I just see like, you know, I'm still only just in my 20s, like I'm growing up in a world that's been completely robbed of its nature because of, yeah. for the large part, corporation and industry and profit. And yeah. it's just really silly. So I do. Well, I mean, I, you talk I, about... I'm well known for having rants all the time. So. No, do it. I mean, you've got the right, you've got the right <laughs> podcast, mate, because... It used to be um, very politically uh, motivated, yeah. uh, channeled podcast. And I've had a lot of discussion with people. I, it was mainly about Brexit, but occasionally I touched base with someone uh, lucky enough to you know talk about the environment. Yeah. Um, mainly like you know the Green Party. Um, yeah. But every party should be on everyone's agenda, really, in terms of that. But it is it is interesting to me, you know, because it is the. You see the the David Attenborough documentary that you know the recent one on yeah. on Netflix, which is um, frightfully lovely and middle class and 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 what have you and 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 I don't know how you felt about that documentary. What was your um, uh, reaction to it? I mean, I watched it as somebody oh, without saying it like oh, I already knew everything. Like I already am aware because it's everything course, I absorb myself yeah. in of the issues in that. I was just really I watched it from the the perspective of seeing how somebody who so Abra at the helm but this team of people who've been making documentaries that have kind of inspired that passion in me you know Abra's documentaries played a huge part in my childhood growing mm. up just to see how they communicate these issues to a wider audience that's what I find interesting because it is it is so depressing and it's so overwhelmingly bad that it's very easy you know a lot of people i think do use it as an, an excuse to switch off i think we need to accept that it's it, it's we need to feel despair <laughs> um, and yeah. just use that use that to gain energy from you know the, the fact that it is so bad the outlaw um so i know yeah. i thought it was really good i thought um i thought it called out a lot of stuff that could have been called out earlier but mm -hmm. that it, i'm glad that people are finally talking about it in the mainstream yeah, I, it's just, um, again, like I, I am not someone who uh, is banned. Like I don't get on my high horse about veganism at all mm. or vegetarianism. But that does seem to me to be one of the one of the, you yeah. know, maybe, I don't know, 
five, made five pillars of the ch- of change that need to be yeah. um, imported. But it's funny, isn't it? Because it's just like, you know, guys, just eat slightly less meat. I, I don't know. But I don't want to fucking go down that road. God, I think people get so pissed off when, <laughs> when I start. They don't, I don't know for a fact, but I just think some people just get pissed off when you start going... I don't know why people eat cheese. I just don't know why people eat meat. It's just like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> like, I've just got this really cheap burger from uh, Waitrose and it was like seven pounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm saving the planet, yeah, you know? I, I know just, what you mean. I mean, like, yeah. so, I mean, it's it's really hard because it's that juxtaposition between the fact that our entire living systems and society as it is today is a product of a capitalist system i'm starting to get political mm. now that is yeah, about right. profit of these large corporations and so our choices are funneled into these areas that cause so much damage and create billions of profit literally for a few individuals but at the same time i don't think that the fact that that is the main issue excuses us from the fact of having individual responsibility um, every mm. single person exists and by existing you consume and you are a, f- a footprint on the planet you can't escape from that you can't vegan your way out of existing yeah so i am a most i'm mostly a vegan but i'm not morally opposed to eating meat whatsoever i'm not an animal rights activist um mm-hmm. you know i do it because for me it's the most simple option of yeah. measuring my impact because it's so easy for me if i say i'm going to eat a little bit of meat to just slip up and you know for, as and when the pubs exist again, if I'm down the pub, I'll be like, oh, just this time I'll have a bad burger that's not sourced well. And it's just, it's easy for me to just be like, nah. But I'm not like precious or judgmental about it. I mean, I've been veggie since I was 10 and I've right, been like yeah. mostly vegan for the last few years. I've faced a million times more judgment from people for being veggie or vegan than I've ever put on anyone else because people ask you why you're not yeah. eating meat and then you explain and they're like, oh, you're judging me. You're telling me, no, no, no. It's like, well, you asked. <laughs> um, right. But yeah, it's, it's that, that difficult, really difficult argument between pushing for mass societal change on a huge scale and yeah. this nice dog's bump. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, and, Arlo. Um, the reality is, is like people like to use excuses as to why they can't change the individual behavior. The reality is, is the vast majority of us in the Western world who live comfortable lives, we have a lot of privilege. We can do with a lot less than we have. And people don't want to give everything up. You know, people say, yeah. oh, it's all good and well saying that we should shop for organic clothing when I'm on a, a poor wage. All I can afford is Primark. It's like, or do you actually need any more clothes? Right. You know, if yeah. clothes shops disappeared like that tomorrow, I reckon it would be decades before we ran out of clothes in the uk what's in everyone's closets i couldn't agree anymore we're used to consuming you know and we try and argue as to why we need to keep consuming in unethical ways it's like i just don't buy any new clothes and fair enough i am wearing a very weird jumper tonight which might not christmassy it's like pink and gray it's for charity shop but this is the thing like yeah it's you know it's stop taking (laughs) yourself so seriously and just do without like yeah. Get over yourself. Yeah. I feel really mean. Like, I'm done with that. But yeah. No, I don't think so. But you, the thing is, right, it's 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 finding the right, it's not finding the right audience, it's finding the right way to package that. Yes. You know? Yeah. People are ready to defend straight away. And I think yeah. a mass issue that needs to happen in society is people need to, I hate when people say normalise this, but people need to normalise receiving more information, changing your opinion and acknowledging that people want to be right and stay right. No matter what information they receive. Like if I, if I'm saying something incorrect, tell me and I'll be like, okay, I'll read about it. Cool. I've changed my mind. And people don't do that ever. Everyone's got to be right all the time and then argue to the death about it. It's like, just be flexible. (laughs) I think we're in that climate though. Uh, big time. Yeah. That, that climate of you gotta be right uh, yeah. it's a sad sad one if i could do my political podcast again i would have i would love to have spoken to more brexiteers i, I try to get yes. so many on my podcast they're all just no 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 mate yeah. no you could you know it's a fear i don't know yeah maybe it's the fear of of the crack in the armor yeah and uh, no one wants that yeah, today but, yeah. but um yeah i mean the other thing that's really weird about um environmental change it's happened so bloody quickly like i know like since the industrial revolution blah blah blah, blah has been peaks and troughs but but it seems to me like the last 30 years or so um well, i'm 39 it's like it just seems just wasn't on my radar as a kid and then the last 10 years 15 years it's been 
it's been certainly become more of a like you know in people's part of people's social yeah. diet but so there's this really really interesting school of thought around it i don't know if you've ever read into shifting baseline syndrome nope so that's a really fascinating phenomenon i can't remember the name of the scientist who coined the phrase i apologize um but it's basically the look at how and it's specifically within the mindset of ecology but you could apply it to different things it's how we have this idea of a baseline in our head and how that moves so each generation's perception of what's been lost oh. from the natural world before is completely shifted so you know the charities that i work with will say something like we've lost 90 percent of hedgehogs in the last 30 years we've lost 87 percent of song thrushes since 1970 and it's like yes but at 1970 they were already 90% depleted on what they used to be 100 years before that oh, and so on yeah. and then 100 years ago was already depleted on what it used to be before that and we have this complete really short memory of what nature was and so it yeah it, it creeps up on you my parents say to me all the time like I go on about this all the time and then my parents will say stuff to me and they'll agree with me and say oh you know when I was a kid in the 50s there was clouds of moths around the lamppost when I go to bed you know, there's, you know, you'd wipe your car windscreen after every time you've been driving because it was just coated in insects. And they say it like it's a, a fun anecdote. And I'm like, why aren't you terrified by that? Fuck yeah. And man, you see that's them like, awful. you see them think for a minute. And I'm like, yes, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. Don't know. That's a really stark point. You know, what you're describing there is like in politics, they call that the Overton window. It's like this, okay. this shift, the shift of what is presumably acceptable yes that's you know, a really so, good way to put it yeah yeah it's like thatcher came in and just basically moved the over to win window to yes. such a degree that most of society were led to think that being homeless was just their fault their yeah. choice yeah. um it's it's outrageous man like i i get i wrote a song but i write songs on the side just for shits and gigs mm. um and I, I found myself writing pretty depressing songs yeah. And one of them is about my daughter. I wanted to write a song that was about um, my daughter and where would she be in, in 30 years. Mm. And it's very apocalyptic. It's very apocalyptic. But I was like, do you know what, man? Like, I, I can't, I can't. This is coming from me. This is coming from a place where I feel we're going. Now, every generation thinks that, right? Whether it's Bay of Pigs, whether, you know, the yeah. communists were going to annihilate the world or whether it was like 9-11, right? It's... It, two reasonably modern examples but it just seems like people aren't taking it quite seriously no, enough and, and this quite... isn't this isn't something that you can easily influence this isn't other people imposing things on us well no it is but it's not like a political war or anything it is it's the collapse of the very fabric of everything we need which sounds like the most mm. dramatic thing i've ever said but people are so disconnected from the ecosystem and what an ecosystem is and what it should be to be healthy that they have no idea. They have literally no idea. 75% mm. decline in insect numbers. And people are like, yeah, well, they're annoying. They bother me at my picnic. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, yeah. Can you can you talk about uh, insects a bit and why? And, and like maybe try and, like, I don't know what, what paint a picture, but just try and in a you know in the most like fundamental way yeah like why I mean, they are so important to our so, environment so what i found quite interesting before and i'd be interested to see some photos is when you were talking about walking in the kent countryside and how beautiful yeah. it was and regularly like my peers and people around me will talk about the countryside and it's this beautiful picturesque place and i am becoming this kind of countryside grinch because i will stare around it and see nothing but a desert it's hideous for the vast part, like vast part, most of it is empty and devoid of life or largely so, which again, sounds like I'm being really dramatic. But when you <laughs> when you have the nature thing and you go outside, you know where to look for insects. Insects is a huge thing. All the life kind of, well, obviously life all focuses around plants, but then insects. So, you know, most people might see a bramble patch or a patch of nettles and think, oh, that looks messy. And I think, oh, there'll be some great insects in there and I can have a root around and find some spiders. And <laughs> oh, and it gets stuck in and have a look around. And I go into fields and I just don't even bother looking because you know it's not there. Because for the last half a century, and particularly since the 90s, the level of intensification of the land, the level of 
pesticide applications. Like there was a study by a local Swift group yeah. that was watching their local population of Swifts, which have declined by like 50% in the last 30 years or whatever. Um, they did some studies on some of the fields in the foraging areas where Swifts would fly from the town from where they lived. And on a single field, there was 17 applications of sprays in one season. And some what? of that might have been fertilizer and, you know, there's other elements, but it's all artificial things going into the land. And a large proportion of that will be various sides. So fungicides, herbicides, insecticides. Okay. And these are all things yeah. that are poisons that are getting in the system. And poison, again, is an emotive word, but it's exactly what it is. It's, it's to rid crops of things that will decrease the yield or the living things and so if you think of year after year after year of that adding up hmm. you know the ecosystem's collapsing and then you take out the fact that there's no physical complexity to large areas of the land anymore if you look at fields the the average size of a field has increased you know double triple quadruple maybe more because hedgerows hmm. have been ripped out the over the agricultural yeah. policy over the last few years a few decades hmm. So, you, you know, your vast majority now of, of farms will have huge fields and there's, there's m many studies you can look at that shall look at like the foraging potential of, of bees and how far they need to go uh, within a border of a field. So you get dead zones in the middle of fields where no bees will ever, you know, reach right, yeah. or, or the pollinating insects. Most hedges have been ripped out. There's hardly any ancient trees anymore. So you look at most fields and there's, there's a couple of very raggedy flailed hedges because they get beaten to shit every autumn. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And you think if I was a look at your average field and think if I was a living thing, where would I go? And you're like, there's nowhere. There's literally nowhere. And then pump it full of chemicals, tear up the soil every year. So all of the mycorrhizae of the fungi are mashed up. And you think, well, no wonder there's no life anyway. Go out to most of the countryside and you'll see bird wise, because that's how you kind of read it is birds. Um, Wood pigeons, pheasants, crows, buzzards, maybe rooks. That's all you'll see mostly. If you go near the hedgerows, you'll see the average garden birds. So you'll see blackbirds, great tits, blue tits, maybe yeah. long-tailed tits. Like that's it. It's such low diversity. And then you go to a nature reserve or an area where somehow the intensification has not reached its tendrils. And you can see a hundred birds in a day, hundred species in a day. And you can see yeah. all, you can just see the long luscious like wildflower mixes with all this life and thrumming energy in it and you're like <laughs> it really like strikes at home and then the uk is crap compared to if you go like other places in europe and places that are really untouched you can see what life's really supposed to be like yeah sorry that i'd was love really to big go rant. there <laughs> no that's right no no it's great it's great i think it's really cool to speak to you because you're so like passionate i'm like, just a, angry about, about it. it i'm sick of it well yeah you, you are a man like i get i i feel your anger i really do but I quite enjoy, I, this I'm is not enjoying, I, I enjoy your, by the way, I'm not like uh, drunk raging. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Whatever, Lucy. Um, <laughs> so I'm drinking whiskey, so it's oh, good. Um, no, but it is not, it, it's good because you're, how old? 24, 25? Oh, I wish. No, 29. You're 29. So it's like, it's, it's mental because like, I would consider you, no, nah, you're not a young person. No, Sorry, I you're am. not young Let anymore. me, it's got a two in it. 29, <laughs> nah. Too old now, mate. Sorry, <laughs> but it's good to it's good to feel your anger. It's yeah, good to feel it because it, it's something that more people need. But you're incredibly proactive about it and, and ex exceptionally well informed. Um, I feel like I'm. I don't know. I don't think I'm. I, I'm. 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 My antenna. It, it, I'm my antenna. My antenna is definitely um, out there and, and trying to tune into to stuff about the environment. And I do consider myself an environmentalist, but at the same time, like. Um, not doing enough, you know. Always, not, no can way. anybody ever do enough? That's that you can't beat yourself up for. You know, any yeah. amount is a good amount. But um, no, it's cool that you, it, it, it's. It's like you know what I'm just think. I'm just thinking like why, why is this happening? Like if this is, yeah. and it's all the little micro things that governments could be doing. So yeah. for example, right in London, we've got a huge problem with pollution, obviously in kids and their lungs not developing problem, asthma. Mm. everything the pollution's horrific we have huge huge like pavements right down this road i live and kind of a lot of places where i, where I drive in london not always but they're begging for little hedgerows they're begging for it and they the you know the carbon they can absorb and, and what have you and that doesn't have to be stupid money yeah. and these are like little ideas i see all the time and i go oh am i just a hippie 
there's just there's no priority for it there's there's absolutely no priority for it they could get you know they've just funded hs2 they could get the money to do these projects if they wanted Hmm. it's just what do you when you see hs2 what do you what are you (laughs) you thinking there it's really hard isn't it because anybody can twist your argument and say that you're campaigning against what needs to be done Mm. to solve the climate crisis because people need to use cars less and they need to use trains more or we could just completely live our lives in different ways and not have to travel all over the place all the time and just simplify our existence. It's not all about perpetual growth. People mm. chase this demon. They, they think that perpetual growth is possible and it's not. Yeah. And so HS2 is just this perfect example of a money-making scheme for, for businesses and individuals that is trashing the most invaluable tiny pockets of we've hardly got anything left and then tra- trashing these tiny pockets of land coming up with mitigation schemes you can't mitigate against trashing ancient mm. woodland you know this tree that they're cutting down or whichever whichever one it is they're cutting down now 500 years old 300 years old can you comprehend an organism that's that old and just killing it and saying yeah. oh we'll plant some more oh yeah, yeah i could no. yeah <laughs> no but i i i you're not alone there like it's but it's but you know it's like you said what was the overton window comparison i made but you you were talking about something else it was shifting um, baselines shifting baselines so that that's the thing is that we what you were talking about there yeah you know it's like industri- in the industrialization uh transport and what have you so we are definitely moving now towards this maximum level of uh output that we can possibly like in terms of like roads and infrastructure yeah for a country of our size um and and it before everything just just basically you you've you've done too much you can't reverse it now you've you've fucked it yeah you know that's what terrifies me the most yeah exactly you're right and the thing is is every every single project and every single development has its champions who will come and argue at you about it and tell you why you're wrong to oppose it because it's you know in the grander scheme of things or whatever their argument is and if you think of all of these tiny individual projects that aren't linked up, you know, a housing development here, a railway here, this and that, it's chipping away. And chipping away is what's got us into the situation we are now. Yes, it might only be a handful of trees, but there was also another handful of trees taken two years ago and a handful three years before that and a larger handful. And if you look at like aerial photography of like fields, you can see the loss of those hedgerows. You can see the loss of those big features. If you look at aerial photography of neighborhoods, you can see where one neighbour, one person down the street has thought, that tree, you know, it'd be really nice for me to sit out in my garden with a beer in summer and that tree just give me a bit too much shade. I'll take it out. It's just one tree. Mm. But three of the neighbours have thought that in the last five years. And you can see how all the trees, you know, greenery is reducing. Oh, I'll pave my front mm. driveway because we want two cars to park, but it's all right. And then another one. And, another, and it's just that tiny little chipping away bit by bit that adds up to this big effect and that's what people don't see this bigger picture like yes it's just Mm. one ancient tree but literally hundreds of thousands of ancient trees have gone before it like we can't keep afford to keep doing it no i agree yeah i it's so it's it's not insurmountable but it feels like it oh my god (laughs) but it is the the shift in like if you're talking about the little minuscule steps that we can all take Mm. like don't don't just don't chop it down maybe plant another tree yeah you know exactly that kind of thing but um what yeah just to pivot slightly i I always i say that in interviews because it's like i have to yeah right friends um because if 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 you don't then you just sound like you're a mad person no that's fine but um I, i i love um I love stalking you on Instagram, Lucy. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, because I, I love the other thing that's I'm going to start doing is um, training some of the birds in my garden because I I um, I've been inspired by you. So that you 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 do that, don't you? It's so freaking adorable. So, you get to eat out your hands. It's just magic. So that's a local nature reserve near me, uh, where generation after generation they've been fed. So they're really quite easy to do it with, but. The reason you can do it is is fascinating in evolution terms. So the bird you've got to start with is the robin. Yeah. And that is because robins co-evolved behaviorally alongside wild boar in Europe. What? And so How? wild boar are like one of the most, they're almost like an ecosystem engineer. They're kind of like a keystone species in any ecosystem because they have such a physical impact on that environment. Uh, they they root up trees. They, they're snuffling in the ground. They disturb the soil constantly. And so they create bare earth. 
um, they'll expose oh, invertebrates and things. And because they're diggers, they expose worms. So robins are like, hey, oh, here we go. So they've <laughs> learned yeah. to follow pigs and they'll do it with domestic pigs as well. They just get completely like, you can see them, you can see their behavior change. If you look a robin in the eye and start shuffling the floor with your foot, you can almost see it going like, oh my God, worms. Like they love it, <laughs> which is why the, the quintessential English postcard, the really twee photo of them sat on a spade, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Like on a spade handle. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I like, get loads of them around me. Yeah, worms. So if you, you because we've almost got no wild boar now, except for the ones that have like escaped in the UK, we've become pigs. So robins see us as like pigs. They follow us around because yeah. we're food givers. So you can you can abuse that, <laughs> um, and if you pick a spot because they're also highly territorial birds as well. So if you know where one's territory is, if you leave food out every day, and then just slowly get a little bit closer day by day as you're leaving that food, and make sure it makes that connection with you putting the food there, and then slowly yeah. you can end up putting your hand out, and then bit by bit they'll eventually come onto your hand. It's it's magic. And then of course we all think it's our dead grandma or dead grandpa. Yeah. Which it won't be it, like your robin in your garden is probably up to like three robins yeah, because they exactly. shift as well. Like they migrate. They don't migrate like aren't they, aren't they super like, territorial. Yes, like deathly. So yeah. they don't they don't migrate like swifts or swallows. But you know, robins within the UK will move within the UK between winter and summer. Um, and autumn's like the peak territorial time. So they're like they'll literally kill each other. They're like murderous little yeah. sods. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, the funny thing is though, right? And I, this is, I'll get back on subject, but it's kind of on subject. The amount of times I've gone to gardens, right, over the last 20 years, and um, a client will go, Oh, there's Bertie. And they'll talk about <laughs> the robin. Oh, you named your Ro robin Bertie. That's cute. No, no, no. That's my uncle Bertie. Yeah, people, yeah, robins have it. All right. Chill out, mate. Look, it's not your, it's not your fucking uncle, okay? It's a <laughs> fucking robin. Grow up. Um, I mean, people take joy from things in completely different <laughs> ways, don't they? But yeah, yeah, I've had that all the time. I've had somebody like, oh, this is a, you know, let's go with Bertie, the blackbird. He's been here for 10 years. And I'm like, mm, well, average life expectancy is less than two in the wild. So it's probably five <laughs> blackbirds. You know, but... 35 years, that blackbird. <laughs> but, all right, mate. Okay. Yeah. It's adorable. Okay. It is. I get that all the time. So you just, yeah, yeah. it's lovely conversations but to have. Can it? Can I just say that the most weird thing happened to me the other day? I was walking in Richmond Park and um, I had this really, it was dusk, absolutely, more or less, kind of almost dark, really, which is dusk. Yeah. Just I just described what word. dusk was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was almost dark. It, it, I think it was, it was like dusk. I think it was dusk, yeah. Um, and I heard this weird vibrating sound coming at me and it got louder and louder and I couldn't I don't know what the hell is it what the hell is this and it was like a you know like a giant wing from somewhere I couldn't go anyway after about two seconds before it happened I realized oh my god it's a flock of Canadian geese hey. and they were flying so low one of the geese's wings whacked my head wow that's mint and that's it was, cool it was mental and it was two flocks and so the second um flock which passed over me I'm, i didn't get beaten that time I was, I was i was wise to it but um it was absolutely amazing to canadian geese uh, migrate and would it be okay to talk a bit about my um like migratory birds yes um so canada geese don't migrate yeah they're a non-native species technically Um there's multiple different breeds that you get of them and so some of them are huge so why are they them why do they flock like that why do they flock like that in the in the in the autumn slash early winter you uh, see them, don't you? Like yeah they do so they, they um so they obviously roost at night so lots of birds yeah. will do this in the winter is birds that pair up as pairs in breeding season and shack up and have kids in winter they oh, will right. become communal species and they'll all hang out together so it's like safety in numbers so quite a few species do it uh geese do it starlings do it and that's when you get the murmurations yeah um oh yeah you get like mixed tit flocks as I call them. Tit flock! Because you'll be in the woods and you'll hear them all come in and there's tits all around you. Um, oh, tit flock. <laughs> long tail tits do it. Goldfinches yeah. do it. Um, yeah, so yeah, so they will at night come together, which is when you would have seen them coming in at dusk to roost. And then yeah. in the morning they'll go out and disperse and go and find food somewhere. Go scoff and scoff. Um, so that's just like standard winter behaviour really. Uh, migration yeah. is fascinating. What do you want to know about migration? I need to, that's the problem, isn't it? It's like where the 
Where does it start? <laughs> like, who was the first? Can you tell me who was the first bird that says said let's migrate? Do you know the name of that bird? Oh God, Bertie. Was it Bertie? It was like he yes, said, this, this shit is cold. This shit is cold. I've heard there's <laughs> place, there's this place called South Africa, right? You know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm reducing everything to comedy. Um, <laughs> That's what, what, um, what did, yeah, what, in terms of like migratory birds, like swallows, when they come back, oh my God, that is, that's like music, isn't yeah, it? Like, for example, joy. Yeah. We, we could talk about the, uh, the swallows for a bit because they're, they're probably my, they're my top favorite five birds yes, of all time. They are, they're beautiful. And um, so, yeah, one swallow does not a summer make. Swallows are amazing birds. Um, so like well there's a whole gang really like there's the whole africa migrators as as i call them so all the different birds that will breed in the uk um or they'll breed throughout europe as a species but we get our own ones in the uk what's really interesting is um if you're a nerd is that like our swallows in britain are all kind of their own little population that don't really mix with the same species of swallows in like france or spain so they're all nesting at the all. <laughs> Sounds very, very Brexit. It does, doesn't it? Hashtag Brexit. Yeah. Um, so they, <laughs> so I think very specifically, our swallows, if I'm not mistaken, go to specifically South Africa, not Southern Africa, like the country, South Africa. And like ones in France will go to like a different area. But they'll yeah. basically shift and do this big year on year kind of battle. So if you kind of think of birds, they're kind of like, hang on, so you're facing me so if you've got birds that breed here this is northern europe and this is like yeah. england southern europe and then when yeah. it, as winter comes so they'll be breeding here in spring and summer and then as winter comes these ones come down to us and these ones go down to africa so it's like that that makes sense so these two kinds of birds will never meet so now oh right okay so can you explain that to someone who's listening because i can <laughs> see that with your with your hands yes, but oh, if there's course, yeah. if there's someone equally as dyslexic as me so there's a lot go, of birds that breed much farther north than the uk so the uk yeah. becomes their africa as it were so whereas our swallows right. and swifts and house martins and white throats and black caps and ospreys and all these other birds decide to ditch britain in the miserable cold winter and go and spend a nice sunny winter in, in Africa or Southern Europe. We are that nice warm place to some birds that would breed in like the Arctic circle basically and, and oh, really you. Northern Europe. Yeah. So at the moment we've got species of birds like um, field fair and red wing and um, loads of geese, like you said. So we get like thousands and thousands of pink footed geese come and spend yeah. winter here in the UK. That's um, funny, isn't it, to think that a bird would come here, freezing cold. Yeah, England, exactly. Right? Like, this is a holiday for them. This is like a mild break. No, it's not. It's cold. You're a stupid and, uh, bird. Minging. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful because that's kind of part of nature's rhythm and calendar. And then you get these two peak windows every year. So you get spring where everything's coming back um, and all the familiar faces turn up. But then you also get loads of rarities as well. You get birds that get blown off course and get lost. And so twitches always go mad in spring and autumn. So autumn, when everything's leaving, again, you get loads of rarities turn up. And so that's when you get all the exciting birds because everything gets all muddled and confused. So what's the most exciting? Because um, for me, uh, I love I love the change of the seasons and I'm learning to love winter more. I've, I've posted quite a bit on Instagram, like pictures of um, just, you know, winter landscapes and what have you. But in, in terms of like birds that you, um, are you more of a, like, because I presume just because I'm an, I'm, I'm an idiot that you got into nature and it was this, to do with the summer, right? Because it's nicer to be outside when yeah. you're warm. But so have you a summer bird kind, kind of a person or are you a winter bird kind of a... Spring, I'd say, specifically. Yeah. Um, summer nice. is the... If you, well, of if course, you're, it's, it's coming back to life. Yeah, if you're like a proper birder, then summer's actually like a pretty rubbish time <laughs> because all the birds after they finish breeding you get to like june most things have finished mm. breeding then they just all go quiet a lot of birds molt all their feathers so they go into hiding they take, okay. take like a bit of downtime so you suddenly see a lot fewer birds in like july august um, and yeah. every year we get people like where have all the birds gone um, and it's <laughs> yeah it's just because they've gone quiet so springs like when everything's coming back and getting busy and nest building and singing like birds on dawn chorus unbeatable God, so, like, yes, it really spring. is, isn't it? Mm. It's and and what what particular birds would you be looking out for then? Like because say um, to try and trivialize it because that's kind of who I am. Um, <laughs> that I don't like. Who, who are your favorite like 
my favorite musician would be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Yes. Um, I, uh, I, I also like Status Quo. Nice. Um, I'm still <laughs> I'm still in therapy about that. Believe me. <laughs> Paid for though by my wife. Um, <laughs> but what? Um, who? What's in? What's your favorite? You know, kind of like your your go to like? Oh my god that bird has just arrived and now I am I am fine everything is good I'm, I'm well now Swifts. yeah absolutely Swifts yeah. like Swifts are just they're just king of the sky they're just amazing birds they see they nest mostly in, in buildings in the UK now they would have nested in like cliffs and trees in the past before we cut all the trees down yeah. um they they're like aerial masters and they yeah so they're one of the latest migrants to come back they come back last week of april first week of may um they fly around in what's called a screaming party so you get a group of swifts and they make really really high pitched noises like and you hear them come back and you get them over like your towns and cities um when a swift fledges the nest a chick for the first time it will not touch the ground or tree it will not land again for two to three years it will fly constantly For two what? to three years, yeah, absolutely crazy. How, how just brilliant? How is that even possible? Because they're just perfect. They can just, yeah, they fly. I think they've been clocked at almost seventy miles an hour at level speed. So peregrine falcons are the fastest birds, but they're diving, so they're using right. gravity. Swifts, yeah. sixty-nine point something at level wow. flight, so fast. I'm, presumably, they've got to sleep. I mean, how did yeah, that happen? The brain thing where they switch off half the brain. Jobby. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, like I heard about that. <laughs> I'm having to learn to do that now because my daughter isn't in sleeping. Yes. So I'm, I've got to do the swift thing. Yeah. But um, so what? I mean, there must be a multitude of reasons why you you love you love that bird. I mean, and 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 what dangers is it facing at the moment? So swifts are uh, insectivores. They eat insects. So they've had a really oh, rough God. time with the previously discussed issue with insects. So. Uh, a swift can yeah. like sometimes you get photos of them but you'll see them in flight if you've got like your eyes on them you have this really swollen throat like their throat puffs out like a frog and that's okay. when they've got a bolus which is just a compact ball of literally thousands of insects that they've squashed together and they carry it in the throat wow. um, and that's to feed their, their babies so baby swifts are one of the only species of birds in the world that go into a state of torpor which is like semi-hibernation it's not hibernation but it's like they will completely slow down their metabolism their heart rate yeah. and they'll make themselves just not consume energy in times of poor weather so they are a really adaptive bird if the weather's wow. shit outside and it's been raining solidly for three weeks then yeah. they'll slow down so they don't need feeding as much and then if it's good weather they'll ramp it up and grow really fast so they can their their breeding year is really unpredictable it, it can vary how long it takes for a, a swift fledgling to get to fledge the age if that, that makes sense so adaptive that it's is so insane they've, yeah they've had what? a rough time because there's so a lot of people say it's because there's not as many house uh, nesting opportunities for them because if you think of a lot of modern houses now we plug up all the nooks and crannies and we don't yeah. like untidiness but i'd be surprised if the insect factor wasn't a bigger one i i completely agree what i'm i'm sat in my living room in the middle of bloody london um uh, moving soon mind you to the countryside to norfolk what what when i get there yeah i can't wait when i get there how can i help insects messiness messiness okay. if the thing that the thing that you can do more than anything is just create a self-sustaining place for wildlife you know people say put up bird feeders but the best thing you can do is create a garden free of insecticides full of mess and texture and complexity and just let nature feed itself. Um, mm. So no insecticides, <laughs> no weed killer. Roundup can go screw itself. Um, yes, sorry, definitely. other brands can also go screw themselves. Um, <laughs> and people say plant a wildflower patch. Yes, that's a very twee way of doing it. But you know, basically if you can reduce soil fertility, which is mm. difficult because most places now have had like artificial fertilizer put in them. If you can create a low nutrient soil, then mm-hmm. nat- and then just sow it with any native seeds that you can find, like British native seeds, you'll get all yeah. sorts coming, like the bee diversity, the butterfly diversity, all of these things. There's some great books out well, there. I- if you if you read books by like Dave Goulson, who's an entomologist, yeah. he's brilliant at explaining what to do in your garden. I do, I do I, when I plant for my clients, I always do. 
I'll put Rebecca Echinacea Budley as in. I do, I do try and really vary um, what I put in in the gardens. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, and I try and put all year round uh, flowering as well. Like mm. it's, it's pretty pretty tricky Perfect, to do. But, yeah. but it is. Um, I think I asked that mainly for people that would want to try and help. So I was going to say, why... what would you do? Like, like how would you communicate yeah. that to a client or a person that you were helping who asked that question of you? They never do. But um, if they were oh, to do it, um, yeah, I know. If they were, it's um, it, it's very difficult because when you're when you're brought in as a gardener, you're very much brought into essentially shit on nature because you've got to tidy things, right? Because yeah. it's been left to become very weedy. So when I when I do get the opportunity to then plant, it is it's about what the the plants I just described to you there, mm. um, and also and where yeah I do while flower meadows everybody wants one right now which is great and at least it's something a native species that you said so that's what i try and implement but um but uh, yeah it's it's and it's fun as well god i love planting but and and now that we've we've had covid i think it's the the the, hopefully i don't know if it's going to stick but people i would say that there's going to be a core amount of people that would have would have been completely transformed and had their lives changed by gardening Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's inevitable, you know, mm. like another shitty example to compare it to the last World Cup. I said to myself, will you just don't watch enough European football? Man? <laughs> you know, you're such a nationalist. What is wrong with you? Started. So I started started watching the Bundesliga. I had two years of watching German football. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Covid is going to turn people from it's like the World Cup of nature. It's like here you are. This is what's helped you get through yeah. your your terrible time it's time you know and don't forget it yeah right so now i'm ranting huh lucy i'm <laughs> no, going for do. it um <laughs> but before we ed- end this conversation i i want to say i bought a face mask off off you uh last night oh did you oh thank you i, I did excellent yes, yeah. oh it was a, a, i think it was a swift it is it's swift there you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh brilliant yeah that's I, for a I, swift conservation charity a really good charity I love it. I love it. And and is there like you know the, a website that people can go to 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 um to, yeah to buy your your stuff and 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 also find out more about you? Um. I, well, I don't really sell stuff because that's not really what I do. That was an accident. I kind of fell into that. <laughs> I accidentally. It sold was. Stuff. I was chatting with so there's a, a remarkable young man called Fabian Harrison who does the live streams for Chris Packham's Self Isolation Bird Club, which was an amazing thing that happened in lockdown this year to do with nature and, yeah. and everything and uh i was just chatting to fabian one day whilst the live stream was going on and sent him a horrendous picture i just got out of bed so my hair's all in no makeup on. <laughs> but my mask had arrived in the post that i designed for myself because i'm a weirdo and i just sent him a picture like oh you're like this and next thing i know it was live on facebook and he was saying oh lucy's gonna sell these to raise money for swift conservation i was like oh god i better <laughs> better sort that out um, but yeah oh it's really really successful i sold i think a few hundred of them in the end so yeah yeah and you're you're lucy lapwing on instagram yes yeah and I, I love it it's so great you're really active on it as well and it's um it's great so... community on there it's just it's full of wonderful people you are loved man you are absolutely loved oh that's nice you are people people love you i've read i've read, I've read people re- I read their comments um uh you know on your post and it's adorable it's like you're more popular than francis Tophill, and she's um She's a she's a presenter on Gardener's World. Oh she's, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's Frances Topper. I've always get her names wrong. But she's <laughs> she's she's wonderful. You and her were Jesus Christ. You guys oh, were just hit like it a off. Out. Yeah. <laughs> she's brilliant. Like you know, people that are in their twenties and uh, clearly involved. You know, really politically aware mm. of of how important this is, is you know, the, the, the environmental issues we're facing. And mm. um, I think were it not for Brexit, uh, an awful lot of, of other things, kind of everything's been concreted over in terms of um, ecology and what have you, right? Yes. Because of Brexit. Yeah, definitely. It's a uh, scary times. There's quite a lot of like big legislation changes on the horizon looming. Some could be yeah. positive, some maybe not. Yeah. We'll and see. what, what, what are you doing for the next um, for the next few days? Then have you got a, a, anything anything more planned in the pissing horrible winter? Round? <laughs> yeah. I always try and get outside. Um, I'll be going out on the weekend for a bit of a walk around Peak District. 
It's not too far yeah. away, about an hour away. Um, yeah. Where, where are you? Uh, Midlands. Near Tamworth, Midlands. near Birmingham. Okay, nice. Yeah. I know, I know, um, I know, I know Solihull. But I'm, I'm off to the West Country this weekend to oh, Som- Somerset. Nice. So what are you doing some, there? Just walking, going, um, going away with a friend. I nice. can't wait. I can't believe it. I'm going to... I'm going to be without my wife and daughter and it's going to be sad, but quite weirdly yes, freeing as I know well. I what you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's beautiful rolling hills down there and I can't wait. I just, yes. uh, and I'll, I'll be thinking of you and I'll be going, these fields are too fucking big. <laughs> it sounds silly, but honestly, Google some aerial maps and you'll be like, oh my God. I will. Yeah. I will. It's terrifying. It's cool, man. Yeah. But thank, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for letting me run. I feel like it was quite, like, therapeutic. <laughs> no, good. I think you needed it, man. Like, I, I think you should do it more often. Come back and run. Store, store it up. We can yeah. chat again in, like, a year and just see how and how it's far we've come. Yeah, or, oh. like, well, the you know, the, the country has and how many, you mm. know, how many more species have become extinct. Mm. Or they're coming back. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Let's be positive. Anyway, thank you so much, No, thank Lucy. you. It's lovely to talk to you. Yeah, look after yourself, okay? You too. Speak to you